everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about Dracula. That's right, the 1931 Dracula. Uh, We're going to actually be talking about both the English language version and the Spanish language version just because they are both so intertwined. Uh, And the reason we're talking about this is because there's a pretty big anniversary uh, this year, this week, in fact, uh, on February 14th. Uh, Dracula came out in theaters back in 1931, which, if math serves me right, is 90 years ago. (laughs) That's right, 90 years ago these movies came out, and it is insane how they are still so good. They're they're, they're still spooky. They're still really unsettling. And uh, it's funny, too, because, uh, and I I was watching some of the special features, the... um, uh, they they planned this to be, and they marketed it as a romance movie, which is why they released it in on February fourteenth on Valentine's Day, uh, way back when. Uh, which is so funny because I would never. I mean, you can totally see it right in Dracula in the whole vampire genre, but back then the nineteen thirty one version, Dracula is not romantic at all i mean there's there's a couple undertones in the film it's actually more so in the spanish language version uh, and obviously in future versions and uh, and that sort of thing brom stoker who wrote dracula back in 1897 uh, he did not really write dracula to be a sort of romantic kind of person he was uh made to be very kind of old and decrepit and um and it's been a long time since I've read the book, and I was very grateful they talked about it on some of the special features. That was a book that I actually read uh, back when I was uh, I was a young lad, I guess you could say, and I, I it scared me. It was a really good book because most of it is journal entries. And uh, I don't know, it's just for the time that it came out, it was an amazing novel. And uh, to see it, you know, be adapted in so many different ways throughout time, film, books, you know, the Twilight Saga, like everything that has happened is all because of this Bram Stoker novel. And so uh, afterwards, uh, in 1924, there was a stage play that was done on Dracula based on the book. And in that stage play, that is what they uh, they made this film on. So this film is not based on the actual book. It's based on the stage play, which you can tell. I mean, again, it's been a long time since I've read the book, but I know after reading it, I did watch Dracula, and I was like, oh, yeah, like this part does happen. This part does. But there's a lot that they, they kind of gloss over. And again, you know, back in the day, you can't really expect much from that, but what I found so fascinating about kind of the behind the scenes of this is this was the uh, was the first uh, sound adaption of this movie. So there had been a couple of other films that had come out prior to this. Uh, one of them being Nosferatu. If any of you have seen that, uh, I watched that one a long time ago. My brother Joey loves that movie, and so that may be something that we'll we'll watch and talk about, you know, in in uh, Halloween season. But there was that one, and then there was one other one called. Uh, it was like Dracula, the death of Dracula, or Dracula's death. But both of them were silent films, and so this this one was originally kind of started going in the direction of of a silent film in some ways, but eventually it ended up just being a a sound adaptation, which is great. That's awesome. I, I mean, we're all huge fans of that now. I know back then that must have been a huge deal of like, holy cow, we're getting sound now on these movies. And uh, not only that, though, as they were filming, so the the Universal cast would come on the lot and film, 
and a film during the day, and then at night they would leave and the Spanish uh, language team would come on to film. And they would film in the exact same set. They would A lot of them were there while the filming was going to kind of see, okay, you know, here we, we see these shots, let's block this and make it look the exact same. But what was interesting is uh, there's a lot of instances in the Spanish language version, and they talk about it, where uh, the filmmakers would watch the scenes from the, the uh, English Dracula, and they'd go like, I can I could do I could do that better. Like we could do that better with the with the stuff that we have. Because again, back then, you know, there's no special features or not special features, but uh, special effects, uh, and very very minimal in this movie. I mean, the the special effects you're getting are like smoke, and uh, you know, there's a, a fly the flying bat. And uh, a couple of other things like that, but like any time, you know, he turns into Dracula, or Dracula comes out of his coffin, or goes from being Dracula to going into a bat or a wolf, uh, you never see it. It's always off screen. So there's no special features in this. But the the Spanish team did such a good job of really. Uh, kind of, I guess you'd say, exploring the studio space, because, for example, at the beginning of the film. Uh, and, and, and this is just, in my opinion, one of the best openings of a movie ever of all time. Just the the carriage ride into the town, the guy who's going to meet Dracula to get him to sign some documents, and the people of the town are absolutely terrified. They, they don't want anything to do with him. They're calling him Nosferatu. They're, they're saying this is, you know, devil, the devil sort of thing, you know, given the cross. They give him a cross, and they say, hey, you know, when you go uh, there, keep this on you. And then the lady's like, for your mother's sake. And it's like, it's like, okay, cool. Um, and so then he gets taken to, and this guy's name's uh, Reinfeld. And he is, uh, man, it's just, it's crazy again how, how, how this kind of has perpetuated throughout time. Like uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I and uh, my parents, we went and saw Dracula on um, the ballet. And it was incredible. It was so good. And, uh, you know, all of these different amazing ballet dancers coming in and out. There was a guy who was completely dressed up like Dracula but still doing the ballet. And then Reinfeld was in that as well. And the Rein the guy who played Reinfeld in the ballet was insane. He was literally insane, like acting so crazy. And it's just awesome to see. Like when you would even watch the play, you'd be like, oh, that is a lot like the movie. Like they... They've just done a, such a good job of honoring Dracula's legacy throughout the years, and obviously there's probably been a lot of bombs out there that I've thankfully avoided, and I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, even like Dracula Untold, uh, which was with uh, Luke Evans, he that was I enjoyed that movie. I didn't think it was bad. And I again, I, I just love the lore of Dracula. And so another fun fact on that, Bram Stoker had the entire sort of book kind of written and figured out, plotted out as he was going, and didn't have the name Dracula. And then he came upon uh, Vlad, the Impaler, Vlad, uh, the actual Dracula that lived in Romania, and uh, you utilized that as his name, specifically just for the atmospheric quality of it, of like, you know, oh, if I call him Dracula and people know about this Vlad guy, like, that's going to make the story even scarier. And, hey, it worked. This guy, Bram Stoker, was brilliant in that regard. And um, so they, they get to the castle, or he, he gets to, he's like driving through the mountains, or <laughs> riding this carriage through the mountains, and then it, it uh, cuts over to the castle, Dracula's castle, and in the basement of the castle are, are some coffins, and this is the classic scene where the, the coffin slowly opens and the hand comes out, and, and then we actually see Dracula's brides as well, there's a couple of them, and we're going to get to that, actually, and we'll talk about it at this point too, 
I'm I'm not trying to say this one way or another. This movie came out in 1931, and Hollywood back then was very, uh, I would just say probably very traditional, very conservative at that time. And uh, there's not a lot of uh, strong, there's no strong woman, uh, female role in the movie. There's obviously a couple of females in the movie, but it just seemed like all of the, the, the women were relegated to just being kind of a plot device in a sense. The only one coming close being Mina because she's the, the, you know, the main character that they focus on in that regard. But a bit so at the beginning, these three brides come out and I, immediately you get the flashbacks of like Van Helsing, the movie with Hugh Jackman and, and Dracula's brides, you know, they're attacking the town and doing all this stuff. And these brides, we see them come out of their coffins and it's a really spooky scene. Like it's, it's very unsettling. And the, the other interesting thing is this entire movie has no sound uh, or no soundtrack. So there's not really any music. It's all quiet, and and it really l- lends itself to being a silent movie. Like the the fact that there's no soundtrack, the actors themselves act like they're in a silent movie. Like there's a lot of pauses. There's a lot of focusing on eyes and on body language, uh, because again, you know, you have to tell a lot of the story without speaking. And so uh, these brides come out, and then we never see them again. And uh, it's like, okay, the, well, the, why did you even show them in the first place? And, and, and you know, we're going to get to some other instances, but there's just a lot of, uh, of it seemed like relegation of like, oh, cool, look at this character. Fine, well, you know, bye, we're gone. And so Dracula then is actually the uh, carriage driver that shows up to pick up Renfield uh, at the, the car, uh, what is it called, like Kharkov Pass or, or um, it's, it's a, it's a uh, Transylvanian name for sure, but... He picks him up, takes him to the to the castle, and by the time they get to the castle, Dracula is not driving the carriage anymore. He turned into a bat and flew ahead to prepare. And he uh, uh, he answers the door. He opens the door, opens for him, and Reinfeld comes in, and Dracula is at the top of the stairs, and we get the classic line of "I am Dracula," and then from there he and then also "I bid you welcome." And of course, it's also classic in the Spanish language version. And the the there's even a piece here where the camera work is actually better in the Spanish language version. They they did this thing where they it's almost like they're running up the stairs to meet Dracula as he comes, whereas the other one is more of a, uh, I guess you'd call it like a soft movement. I don't know, but he says "Soy Dracula," and it was like, oh man, that's still really that's awesome. That's so cool. They captured it in both of them, like both. And so the Dracula in the Spanish language version is uh, played by Carlos uh, Villarías, and he does, I think, does just as good a job as um, Bela Lugosi. They both kind of look alike. There's some qualities that are a little different between them, but they both did their best, and so I think they both put out a really good performance as they're going. Um, and so from there, you know, the whole the whole bit of this film, and, and again, the, um, the Dracula film is very short. It's only an hour and 15 minutes. And the Spanish language version is an hour and 40 minutes, so it's a little longer. And the reason for that, though, is they do spend a little more time on scenes, especially in, in certain instances. You you would be able to tell if you watch them back to back. The uh, the English version, there's a lot more abrupt scene cutting where it just immediately goes black. And you're like, well, wait, they just said a word, and like the screen was already going black. And it didn't really happen as much in the Spanish language version. So that's obviously going to increase the time. 
Um, but it's short, so this this movie uh, gets a move on real quick. And so the whole ba- basis of this movie is that Dracula is wanting to move to Westfield. No, I'm kidding, not Westfield. But he he's wanting to move to America or, or London and uh, to take a ship there and kind of, I guess, not just see the world, but kind of be in a new area. He's living in this rundown castle. He does say when he purchases Carfax Abbey in London uh, that it's going to remind him of his rundown castle in Transylvania. So it's like, well, then why did you want to move? I think it's because there, no one, everybody in Transylvania knows Dracula is evil. And so I think he's just wanting to start fresh somewhere else and uh, for, you know, fresh meat as well, uh, because he, he immediately, it, no sooner does he arrive than uh, immediately start feasting on somebody who tries to sell him flowers, just a, a young girl who's trying to sell him flowers and he immediately in public um, eats her or, you know, sucks her blood. But um, so Reinfeld is there as the, he's like a real estate guy. And so he's trying to get Dracula to sign some documents, and it would have been, you know, it would have been <laughs> really funny actually. And they could have added to the runtime, uh, made it like you know an hour and I don't know twenty five minutes. Just give him ten extra minutes of a couple of really good bits of uh, you know like ah oh, Dracula, I need you to sign these documents, and he'd be like oh look at the time, like, as the sun, the sun's rising, like, actually, you know, we're gonna have to take this, we're gonna have to do this again tomorrow night, uh, if you could just meet me back here at, uh, seven, what, when, sunset? Okay, cool, well, we'll talk then, he's like, but Dracula, please, I need you to sign these documents, uh, I, I, there definitely could be something there, but he does, he obviously, he signs the documents, and, uh, and then they, they travel back by ship, and then, there, again, there's a very weird, abrupt shot of Reinfeld waking up kind of in the middle of the night, uh, a bat meets him. You don't really see what the bat does. It just flies kind of in front of him, but I'm pretty sure the bat bites him. And then the brides show up, and that's it. And then and then it goes to black. And then the next scene is uh, he they're they're on a ship, and it, the ship was a rockin' and a rollin', and uh, a couple of the people fall off the ship. And uh, there's just a bad no. That's a if, that's a bit from Even Stevens. If you guys didn't know, but yes, that's a joke. Beans. Uh, we still never got the the bit of the joke. That would be what I would ask if I met Beans in real life. Is you know what was the the punchline of the ship joke? But the ship indeed was a rockin' and a rollin'. And uh, Dracula is down below. He's sleeping, and Reinfeld is now his slave. He's his his like mental servant, and he's gone crazy. He's gone mad. So shout out to to the uh, what was his name? Um, David Manners. No, no, no. Dwight Fry as uh, as Reinfeld. He does a really good job of going from being like a pretty normal guy to completely insane. And he's talking to Dracula, like, oh, you know, we're almost there, blah, 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 blah. And so the ship, when the, by the time they get there, and again, you don't really see it in the English version. It's implied. The Spanish version goes a little further in uh, that Dracula kills everybody on the ship. And uh, you don't really see it in the American version, but the Spanish version, uh, Dracula, like, comes out of the bottom of the ship and a couple of the sailors on top are freaking out at the exact same time that Reinfeld is down below and you can see him through a porthole and he's cackling and it is it is so insane like that scene so much better than the English scene 
uh, just because, you know, again, they, they really were like, okay, let's kind of, let's get a little crazy. Let's have a little bit of fun. And so the ship does arrive. The, the people who find the ship kind of find Reinfeld and they put him in the loony bin, which just so happens to be the sanitarium that Dr. Seward, uh, is running and his daughter is Mina. And any of you out there, I would say for me, my first uh, learning of Mina was in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, which is uh, great film and definitely we'll be talking about at some point uh, in the future. But so it's her and her daughter. And again, you know, Dracula leaves the ship and kills the girl. But then he shows up at the, the theater where uh, Seward and his daughter and then Harker, John Harker, who is Mina's boyfriend, and then their friend Lucy Weston. And Dracula's there, and he makes this comment about, like, oh, you know, there's nothing, nothing is, uh, there's things worse than death. And uh, and Lucy, too, was, like, reciting this poem uh, about uh, death. And the other two people are basically like, oh, we don't want to talk about that right now. Like, let's have some fun. But then later that night, Lucy's talking with Mina, and she's like, oh, I loved that Dracula. And he's she's like, nah, I'd prefer someone a little more formal. Uh, and she's like, oh, like John, and she's like, yeah, like John, uh, but then eventually Dracula shows up, and he turns Lucy, uh, bites her, all that stuff, and then we never see Lucy again, and that's just another instance of, uh, you know, wasted talent in that regard, uh, we hear about her, certainly, but she never comes, I don't think she ever comes back on screen, and I think she is the woman in white, uh, that is, you know, committing murders across town. And again, this is a very low-budget film, so maybe there's there was uh, discrepancies there. But still, it's like, come on. Again, this would have been such a good movie to get remade uh, in the future and actually be like an, an hour and 50 minutes sort of movie, a two-hour movie, and you could have added so much extra to it. And hopefully, Chloe Zhao does, because she uh, was just announced as being, uh, I think, writing and directing a Dracula movie for Universal uh, that they called uh, a little bit sci-fi, which sounded interesting. And hey, Chloe Zhao at this point is, she is on fire, and I still... There's, this is basically the definition of faith. I have seen the writer. I've seen one of her movies, and I love her. Like I, I can't wait to see any of her other films. Even though I've never seen any of them, I know they're all going to be good. <laughs> and so, I to me, that is the definition of faith: is that I believe that like you give Chloe Zhao something, she's going to turn it into gold. So I'm really excited to see what she does with Dracula. And it's funny that they announced that so close. They announced that like last week, or could have been a you know. Actually, it wasn't last week, which is literally the week before the 90th anniversary of Dracula. So I'm sure there was something behind that. But that's big news. That's that's awesome. And hopefully she takes some things from this. I'd love to get some call outs or Easter eggs. Um, but if not, again, I'm totally down for a whole brand new retelling because I, as much as I love Dracula, I've only seen the old and the new. I've not seen any of the in-betweens, the, the, uh, you know, 1970s, 1990s Dracula movies. I haven't seen any of those. And I don't really want to just because, I don't know, I think too much of it is going to just, um, kind of take away from the original or from the, the ones that I saw that are more recent. I don't know, maybe one day when I'm bored, I'll do it, but at this point, they, uh, you know, we don't see Lucy again, but then suddenly things start uh, becoming awkward with Mina. And so at some point, Dracula shows up and, and bites Mina as well. And so at the same time, though, uh, Van Helsing is around, and he's a doctor, and he has some of the best lines in the movie. 
Van Helsing is a man of science, and these lines are 90 years old, but they still hold power today, as most words do. Uh, the two that I'm going to read off, this first one, he's he. Uh, so basically, you know, they, they are looking in the news now. People are dying. They're, they have the two bite marks in their necks. No one knows what's going on. And uh, they're like, okay. And he says, it's vampires. And they're like, what? That's crazy talk. And he's like, no, I think I can prove it to you. But he said, they're like, no, vampires are su- just superstition. And he says this, the superstition of yesterday becomes the science of today. And that is a really old version of uh, Thor's line in Thor, where he says, you know, I come from a, uh, Matt, you call it magic, we call it science, I I come from a place where they're one and the same sort of thing of like, you know, the things that people thought, like, you know, a phone, a mobile phone was a superstition back in the day that that would be so crazy. And here it is, now it's the science of today. It's just a really cool line. And, uh, and he shares another line later on, and again, we'll get to it, because this movie is almost over. But at this point, we have now seen Dracula uh, turn... Well, we hear wolves, and he ta- they talk about that the vampires can turn into wolves or mist or bats, which is a qu- great call-out, because they can. And a lot of the other, like Twilight, they don't really touch on that at all. There's other vampire things where people always seem to just assume that they can only turn into bats. But I like that this movie shows you that there's more than that 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 Dracula can turn into. And um, at that point, you know, Mina's acting very strange. And she's very weak. Essentially, basically, she's turning into a vampire. And during the day, she hates herself. She hates life. And then at night, she's alive. And at the same time, Van Helsing, along with Dr. Seward, they're trying to prepare for Dracula. Like, they do the math. And they're like, it's... I'm pretty sure it's him. And and it comes from the scene where, you know, she's she's kind of losing her mind. She's getting scared. And Dracula shows up at the house. And uh, Van Helsing goes to get a cigarette from this, uh, like a cigarette box. But in the, on the top of the box is a mirror. So when you open up the box, the mirror is facing uh, vertical. And so as he's going to grab a cigarette, he looks in the mirror and he can see... Uh, Dr. Seward and, and Mina talking to Dracula, but you can't see his reflection in the mirror because vampires don't show the reflection. He's like, oh, so now he knows for sure it's Dracula. But uh, at this point, you know, Dracula kind of is like, well, I think I'm going to just take my leave. And uh, Van Helsing is like, well, one more thing, Mr. Dracula. Uh, I'd like, he's like, I, he says, I'd like to test a theory with you, if you will. Could you open this for me? And Dracula opens the box and then smacks it down. Uh, onto the ground and and this is another scene where the Spanish version was better because uh, Dracula in the Spanish version has a he's got a walking stick and he smashes it with the walking stick it's very dramatic and uh, it's like ah and so then he he walks out the back door he's like I'm taking the back door and he walks out the balcony and then Harker John he he runs out and he's like there's a giant dog running in the backyard and he's like oh maybe a wolf and it's like, well, yep, that's, uh, that is what it is. It's a wolf. Dracula turned himself into a wolf. So now they know for sure. Even at this point, though, John Harker doesn't believe that Dracula is a vampire. And it's like, dude, how dumb are you? And so as Van Helsing's explaining all of the reasons why he is a vampire, he says, the strength of a vampire is in people not believing in him. And that is such a good line uh, because that can be applied to a lot of other things. Like, um, 
I, and I, the, the first one that came to my mind was the strength of an abuser is in the people, in people not believing in him. Like, you know, the fact that they always will kind of gaslight their victims and Dracula does that for sure, as does Mina to John. But just this idea that like, you have to kind of solve this problem on your own uh, because the authority, he's like, you can't go to the police. They're not going to believe you. No one will believe you. Uh, and it's just, it's crazy that, you know, that sort of stuff is still prevalent today, which is really sad, but uh, still a really good line. And I'll mention as well, uh, as we're doing this, there is an option on my Blu-ray to uh, to listen to it with a 1998, I believe, soundtrack by Philip Glass. If any of you are familiar, he did the Kotsky Trilogy he did. Uh, I feel he did a song in Watchmen. That's where I first heard from him, and uh, some of the some of the instrumental stuff. But he has a four string quartet that does the soundtrack. And so I halfway through the mo- the movie, I was like, oh, I want to I want to try the soundtrack out. So I went back to the main menu, turned the soundtrack on. It was really good. It, it really added a layer of of intrigue and suspense to the film uh, that I would definitely watch it with it on the whole time the next time that I watch it. But even in these scenes, there's just little like dun, 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 like little string bits as Reinfeld uh, shows up and he's, he keeps like popping into the room. He keeps escaping his cell and trying to warn them about like Dracula's coming, you need to protect Mina. But then anytime Dracula shows up, he's like, oh, Dracula, uh, you know, I wasn't, that wasn't me. I, w- I was uh, lying. Like I would never betray you. And it's like, okay, okay. And so at this point, the uh they're like put Mina in a room put Wolfsbane and it's funny they talk about Wolfsbane in this movie there's no mention of garlic but they talk about Wolfsbane and, and Dracula doesn't like Wolfsbane and so they're like put Mina in the room put Wolfsbane all over the room make sure all the doors are closed and so they do so and then like 20 minutes later John comes upstairs to check on her and she's got the windows open and she's like taking down the Wolfsbane uh because she's a vampire but she's like oh John I'm feeling so good now. Like, I'm so happy. I'm, I live for the night. I was born in the night. She doesn't say that. But uh, he's like, wow, you're a changed girl. And it's like, dude, come on, man. How do you not know? And she's like, you need to. And so at this point, and this was at the same time that Dracula was kind of down, is downstairs. He comes back and confronts Van Helsing. And he's like, it's too late. I've already gotten into her head. Like, I've already infused my blood with hers, and that's why she's acting that way. And he goes to reach for something in his pocket, and she's he's like, what, you got more Wolfsbane? And he goes, ah, no, something much more powerful. And Dracula's like, well, it doesn't matter, and, like, jumps at him, and he pulls out a cross, and Dracula's like, ah, and runs off. And so then he's like, we need to go get Mina. She's upstairs. So him and C where the doctor go run upstairs, and they overhear at this point, Mina is outside with John, and she's like, you need to stop them. Like, you need to take away that cross from them. I can't stand it anymore. And he's like, oh, okay. And she's basically uh, mind manipulating him, like, with her her secret voodoo of vampire stuff. And uh, or powers of persuasion, I guess you could say. But, but Van Helsing overhears it. And as she's about to bite John, he whips his cross out, and she just kind of uh, retreats, starts crying, and John's like, why are you doing this to her? And it's like, dude, and he says, I'm trying to save her, like, and I'm trying to save you too. And so she kind of runs off and meets with Dracula, who's waiting for her downstairs. And, And again, it's like, okay, he purchased Carfax Abbey, which they said is right next to the sanitarium where they're at. 
And when Dracula was downstairs, uh, Van Helsing tells him, like, hey, basically, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, every day I'm going to come there and I'm going to look for your coffin. And I'm going to find it and I'm going to kill you. And that's how Dracula's like, oh, well, what do you, you know, Wolfsbane? And uh, it's just so funny that, like, again, it's an old movie. But it's like, why is Dracula even allowed in your house? Like, how did he get permission to get in? Did they, they don't even show that portion of it. But even still, it's like, you know, you're trying to get Mina, and then, like, but Dracula is downstairs waiting for her. Like, you should be trying to kill him. And, and but, you know, no one does. And so Dracula takes Mina back to Carfax Abbey, and they follow him by way of uh, Reinfeld, who, again, escapes again, and he's, like, running to go to Dracula. And they follow Reinfeld, which in a way, though, I feel like Reinfeld was doing it on purpose to have them follow him so that they could save Mina. And so he gets there, and um, he's like, oh, master, like, uh, you know, I, I came alone, and I came as fast as I could, blah, blah, blah. Please, like, can I have my powers now? And Dracula kills him. He, like, get, lifts him up by the neck and tosses him down the stairs, and then he falls to his death. And it was really sad because, again, he was completely manipulated by Dracula. He had no idea what he was doing, and uh, all he wanted was acceptance from Dracula. Again, a sad story. But at this point... Uh, Van Helsing and John Harker show up to the house, to the uh, Carfax Abbey, and they're busting through the doors, and Dracula's like right there, and he's running away, and it's like, okay, dude, well, and then they, they follow him, and he's downstairs in his coffin already, because he, the sun's coming out, and so again, it's a it's an old movie, like, I don't hold this against them, but as a joke, it's like, why would he just be like, oh no, these two people, they said they were going to come kill me. I'm going to go give give what they want. I'm going to go to sleep in my coffin. I get that he doesn't have a lot of options, but still, like to just he should have at least tried to hide. If he's down in the basement, then maybe there's no light coming out. I don't know. But sure enough, he's in his coffin. Uh, Van Helsing's like, get me a stake, get me a rock, and uh, I'm going to drive the stake through him. And they look in the coffin for Mina, and she's not there. And they're like, oh, he's, he, John's like, oh, you know, maybe she's still alive. And so he finds her, uh, Dracula gets killed, she's kind of broken from the curse, and they walk up the stairs, and the movie's over. And that's it, it just says the end. And it was very, very abrupt. It, it took a little longer to end in the Spanish version, again, a little better for that, because I was like, oh, oh okay, the movie's over. Uh, but it was just uh, an abrupt ending, but it doesn't make it a bad movie. Again, that's that's the common common thing for those old 1930s 1940s movies they're very short and uh, they end very quickly so don't expect this to be like a everything is going to be answered and there's some sequel set up if anything there is uh, you know never they would never plan on being a sequel back in the day until you know afterwards but that I mean that's the whole the whole thing about Dracula and again Dracula is just such a timeless character from the book to the plays to the movies these movies that have come out in the 30s and the 50s 60s 70s 2000s this upcoming movie from uh, Chloe Zhao there's just always this desire for uh, a character like Dracula like it's such a fascinating concept on uh I mean, just the the supernatural of it all of the, this, you know, this guy, this, and, and in most cases, you know, portrayed as being a very sexy guy, um, 
you know, he can bite you and you can now live forever. And you're, you're, you know, you're alive at night. You, you can live for thousands of years. You can fly, you can turn into a bat. You can, you can, uh, use your mind tricks on people to trick them. Like there's a, there's a sort of, uh, what's the word? Like a forbidden fantasy of that because, uh, you know, no one would ever actually want to be bitten by a vampire, but at the same time, it's like, if you do get bit, it's kind of cool to have all those powers. Obviously, now you have to feast on blood, which is its own problem. I like that Twilight kind of solved that problem of, like, you can just eat animal blood. But it's it's still, and, and in the 1930s, that's like a, that's a, a, a twisted fantasy in a sense of, like, these people were probably going to see this movie. They had read the book, or who knows, maybe they weren't those, oh, the, uh, the book was better, the, the play was better. But at the end of the day, they're still going to this movie and getting really scared about something that they're also equally fascinated by. And I think that is why this movie has st- stood the test of time, why a lot of the scary movies that do stand the test of time do, is because not only do those movies make us afraid, but they make us they, they like they have us they fantasize us as well and that's the whole magic of movies is that ability to capture the audience's attention and take them to a place like again this movie was made for what looks to be a very low budget in very few set pieces in only an hour and 15 minutes there's weird cuts and and you know they did a remaster but before the remaster there's a lot of uh, you know crap that would show up on the screen because of a bad film cell and that sort of stuff uh just like the amount of care that went into creating this masterpiece uh for people to watch it and and be like wow like just trans transform trans uh, transported to to this world and and, and it, again it has stood the test of time this book came out in 1897 it is 125 124 years old and it is still scaring people it is still having people dress up as dracula for halloween and again all of this is coming from from a mixture of bram stoker and the way that he wrote his story and what these filmmakers did of translating it onto the screen it's the i mean these these movies the universal monster movies these were the original mcu the original shared universe these were you know you had dracula frankenstein the mummy all of them existed in their same universe to the point where you had the abbott and costello movies that had uh, you know abbott and costello meets frankenstein and and you got frankenstein the wolfman and dracula in that movie and the invisible man and it just it's it's wild to think that, you know, there's other films that came out in 1931 that I know nothing about, that there are films that probably no one knows anything about, except for a select few people who may have already died because they're that old. It's just fascinating that this, this piece of history exists and continues to perpetuate that idea in people's minds of, you know, being afraid of the night and afraid of that vampire, the the turning people into the undead. It's just, it's 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 hard to explain, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. It's it's movie magic and it's it's highest regard. And so that's why I'm super excited to talk about this movie. And uh, more so, too, uh, for a lot of the stuff that's going to be in store this year, because Frankenstein also has a 90-year anniversary later this year in October. So we will be talking about Frankenstein. Uh, I'm planning to talk about the Mummy movies as well, the the uh, Brendan Fraser 
and um, Rachel Wise mum, uh, Mummy movies. Uh, that's probably going to be in the summer. But like I said, these films were great. If you get a chance to watch this or find some way to watch this, I don't think they are available on any streaming service. And you know what? I'm going to do you guys a favor, and I'm just going to look right now. I have a handy-dandy streaming guide so I can tell you exactly uh, what source they are on. And we're wanting the 1931. Okay, so it looks like there are... You could watch it on TCM or DirecTV if you have that, but everywhere else is going to require... Uh, either renting or buying it. But it looks like you can rent it for $3.99 in most places, Amazon, Apple, all the places you can get it. Honestly, I, you know, I would recommend, I have it as a, a Blu-ray steelbook, and uh, it came with a digital copy. And, you know, you can't, bleep, can't beat a Blu-ray, but then you also get the bonus digital copy and all the special features, and on almost every Dracula Blu-ray, in the special features is the Spanish language version. So again, I, I I wish that I was being paid to advertise this, but you can just purchase it, uh, like on Amazon or wherever, uh, to uh, to have it. And I think it is one of those movies that you know once you do have it or you've kept it, it's going to stand the test of time. It's going to live forever. It is a movie moment that made Bela Lugosi famous. It made him the man that he was. Uh, unfortunately, it made him kind of typecast into that kind of Dracula role. But overall, this is one of those films that when you watch it, you go, I can see where so many other uh, scary movies, monster movies pulled from Dracula. And it's just cool to see. And it's cool to know that more and more of these are going to keep getting made like Chloe Zhao's. So with that said, I will wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know if you uh, are a fan of this movie uh, or any if you're a fan of one, uh, a different Dracula movie that maybe I haven't seen. Let me know. Maybe I'll watch it. But for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and I bid you farewell.